Pastor Chris's podcast. So today we're celebrating graduates. Isn't that fun? It is. I had each one of our graduates on my mind as I was preparing this message. I thought about Walker, who used to come in and sit in my office. He's just a little squirt. He'd come sit in my office and he would ask all kinds of interesting questions and we'd just have a good time. As long as you keep him on, keep him focused on one thing, he'd, he'd ask the most interesting questions. And, and then, of course, he's grown up. You saw him. He's like towering above most people now. Grown up big and strong. Had the, the uh, privilege of sponsoring for Chrysalis. And he went and spent three days down in uh, Dallas, Georgia. Turned off his cell phone. Can you imagine that? <laughs> a young person abandoning their cell phone for three days. And he did that. And then there's Grace, Amy's niece, who is always so sweet and kind and faithful to attend youth and Sunday worship. And I remember just a few, just seemed like a few weeks ago, we were all out at the Miracle Field, and she's out there uh, volunteering as one of the buddies, and her, her buddy is just doing a little dance out there after he ran the bases, and she was dancing right along with him, having a good time. And then there's Henry, big mama's grandson, who I first met at Vacation Bible School over the summer. He lives in another town, but he often comes and visits our church, and I've prayed for him many times over the years. And our college graduates, Kate, who just graduated, and she has such a sweet, sweet spirit, and she's always so deeply in love with Christ here at church, willing to serve, and just love seeing her running up and down Cleveland Highway. I can always spot her because she's tall and slender, and there, she's just, there you know, that's Kate running. And then there's sweet Sydney, who started out as part of our youth program, and then Sunday worship. She graduated from high school a few years ago, went off to college, but whenever she's back in town, she'll come and, and visit and worship here, and I love seeing her. And she's going to be teaching now. It makes me feel good to know that she's going to be teaching the younger generation. And I remember JC as a young, young girl here in our children's program and then going over to Christian Heritage and seeing her in some of the assemblies there at the school and all grown up and graduating college. And so I had all of those on my mind as I was preparing, but also I had all of you, the parents and the grandparents and every member of our church on my mind. And the title of the message today is Welcome to the First Day of the Rest of Your Life. It seemed like the appropriate thought to have in mind as you're thinking about Graduate Sunday. It's not just for graduates, though. It's, a, it's an idea that should be applicable to every one of us. Because through Christ, we can always make a fresh start. These graduates have completed one phase, and are moving into the future with another phase. But, in a sense, each day as a Christian is a chance to start fresh. What has happened in the past is there. It has informed you and helped you be who you are today, but you have a future, and you start again each new day. And for this message, a long time ago, before I even knew that it was going to be Graduate Sunday, the Lord had given me a topic to preach on, and a scripture 
1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Now, this is not uh, a scripture that I would have chosen for Graduate Sunday. And as I was realizing this is Graduate Sunday, I've been thinking ever since then that maybe I should preach on something different. But God keeps bringing me back to this topic and this scripture. So maybe that means this is what God wants me to say today. So that's what I'll say. In this passage, the Apostle Paul is writing to his young apprentice, Timothy, about the organization of the church and the different roles in it. And one in particular, Paul is giving Timothy the qualifications of a bishop. So I'll start here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. This is a trustworthy saying. If anyone aspires to be a church leader... He desires an honorable position. Now, right off the bat, I need to pause here and clarify. The Greek word the New Living Translation renders as church leader is episkopos. It's where we get the English word episcopal, like the Episcopal Church. What Paul is talking about here is not just any old church leader. He's talking about bishops. And the NRSV and the King James Version actually translate this bishop. They say, whenever, whoever aspires to the office of bishop, and then it goes on in verse 2. So a church leader, a bishop, must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home. He must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? A church leader, a bishop, must not be a new believer because he, must become, he, because he might become proud. And the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Bishops are leaders in the church. So, as the early church in the New Testament times grew and expanded rapidly, they organized like this. A group of Christian believers would gather weekly, usually in someone's home, to pray and worship, study scripture, and celebrate Holy Communion. They also worked together to make new disciples, feed the hungry, help the poor. They usually didn't have a church building in this early stage because Christians at that time didn't usually have a lot of money for extra buildings. And besides that, they a lot of times had to meet discreetly because often their meeting together was outlawed so they couldn't get a building they just get together in someone's home and each area would have a lot of different churches each church had a pastor and there might be numerous house houses of christian worship in any given area remember at that time you had to walk to church so you couldn't have things that you had to walk a long time to get to. So each different section or neighborhood might have their own church within walking distance. 
and they would have a pastor over their church, but many different neighborhoods had many different churches. And each area had a bishop to oversee all of the many house churches in the area. That's literally what episcopos or bishop means. It literally means overseer. They are the overseer of the entire area. And this is how most Christian denominations are still organized today around the world. And this is how the United Methodist Church is organized. We group local churches like ours together in a larger area, and a bishop is appointed to oversee all of those churches. In the United Methodist Church, we also break those areas down even further into districts, and we have superintendents that help the bishops. So we see that on the next slide. So in the early church, the bishop was the top leader in the church. Not that they were more important. Paul makes it abundantly clear in other passages that no person in the church is more important than anyone else. No office is more important than another. The body of Christ needs all its many parts. It's just that bishops are the leaders. And as leaders of a large area of Christians, bishops need to understand Christian doctrine. They help keep the various local churches on the right track, teaching the right things. They keep churches moving in the right direction, fulfilling Christ's mission to make disciples of Christ. Bishops are also spokespersons for the whole church. In the New Testament times, bishops were the ones that city officials might come to when they wanted to get a message to all of the Christians in the area because they knew that the bishop was the overseer. If they would go directly to that person, then the bishop could filter down the information to all of the Christians under their authority. As representatives for the whole church, bishops needed to represent Christians well. They were sort of like the, the face of the church. And that's why Paul said their lives must be beyond reproach. They should be self-controlled, wise, have a good reputation, good at entertaining guests, able to teach, not drunks, not violent, gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy, good at managing their own family household. Obviously, that, that's a tall order. It takes a special person to be a bishop. But what does that have to do with graduates? What does that have to do with you? We all have an important role to play in the body of Christ. No role is more important or less important than any other. Graduates, as you graduate, you have completed an important part of your training. Maybe part of that is so that you can get a certain job or have a career, but I think it really goes deeper than that. More important than earning a living, you will have a chance to make a difference in this world. You will shape your family. You will impact your community. You will influence people. 
How will you shake them? What impact will you have? Will, you, will your influence be positive or negative? You decide by your character and how you choose to live. Will you aspire to be a bishop? <laughs> I haven't had anyone tell me that they were planning to be a bishop. Um, but maybe you will. I don't know if God calls you and the church recognizes it in you. Whether or not you aspire to actually be a bishop, the quality Paul lays out for bishop are great aspirations for us all. The characteristics of bishops in the New Testament exemplify the qualities every Christian should aspire to. Live beyond reproach. Lives that are self-controlled. Wisdom. A good reputation. Hospitality. Able to teach what you've learned in the Christian faith to others. Not getting drunk. (laughs) Not violent. Gentle. Not quarrelsome. We need that right now in our world today. Not greedy good at managing your own family household. Those are good qualities for our graduates to shoot for. Those are good aspirations for all of us. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 21 says, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, There are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And then verse 27, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And I pray that every one of you will aspire to have the very best qualities, whatever it is that God calls you to do. See, Jeremy, I told you this was a short sermon. He said he was going to check it. He was going to time it. We're almost done. But before we close, I want us to do something together. This is for the graduates. This is also for the parents and the grandparents and family and friends. And it's for everyone here. We're going to do this together. First thing I want you to do, I want you to look at your feet. Look at your feet. Those are your feet. Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messengers who bring good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. I hope you will use your feet to take you places to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, Look at your hands. Look at your hands. Those are your hands. Ephesians 4.28 says, Use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. I hope you will use your hands 
to do good work, whatever it is, and that you will have generous hands to help the needy, just like Jesus helps you. Now take your hand and put it over your heart and feel your heart beating. That's your heart beating. Matthew 5, 8 says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, and they, for they will see God. I hope you will let Jesus keep your heart pure so that you are sincere and honest in everything you try to do. Let everything you do flow from pure motives. The truth is, we all fall short. But the good news is, there is forgiveness and there is redemption in Jesus Christ. So if you need to make a fresh start, turn to him today. Because everything you have done up to this point has prepared you to be who you are today and has prepared you for the future that's ahead. But make a commitment today to follow Jesus into the future he wants you to go into. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you and praise you for our graduates and we celebrate with their accomplishments. We pray for your grace and your spirit to guide them in the days ahead. Pray the same for each one of us here. Father, that we recognize the lessons we've learned from our past and how they have prepared us for the future you want for us. Help us to be faithful, to walk into it, following Christ. I pray today, O oh Lord, if there's anyone here who for the very first time needs to decide that they are going to follow Christ in the days ahead. I pray, Father, that today, right this very moment, they would repent of following their own selfish desires and make a commitment to follow Christ as their Lord and be saved by his grace. And Lord, for all of us who are here, who have been following Christ already for a time, for some time, I pray, Father, that today we renew our commitment to follow him into the future that he has planned. Help us to set aside anything that keeps us from doing that faithfully. We pray in the name of Christ, the Lord and Savior of the world. Amen.